grab a seat. And uh, hello, this is our Vision Sunday. Uh, today it's uh, really one of the most uh, important days in our whole year at uh, Emmaus. Um, week in, week out, we try and get the Bible open and teach from the Scriptures. We're going to do that today, but it's going to be a little more focused sort of inward on who we are and where we're going as a church. We obviously don't do that every week, but uh, that's what we do on Vision Sunday. It's the time of the year when we really take stock of um, where we're at, where we've come from, when we prayerfully ask the Lord, okay, what are you saying to us? And where, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? Uh, it's the end of our financial year, the start of a new one, so we review our finances and we try and set budgets for the coming year in, the line, in line with the things that God's telling us to do. That's what it means to be uh, in step with the Spirit. We don't just automatically do the same things every year. We try and respond to God with our finances. And most of all, Vision Sunday is when we give ourselves anew to the things that God is doing in us as a community and through us uh, in this area. I was um, amused to read a letter in the newspaper uh, from someone called Daniel, uh, sorry, David Lavelle, who's from North Yorkshire, and he wrote to say this. Uh, I was assisting my 16-year-old daughter with her homework when she received a text from her mum, my wife, which read, What do you want from life? This was an unexpected and profound question for an exam-sitting teenager. We debated various answers, wealth, fulfillment, love, all three. Five minutes later, however, she received a second message from her mum, blaming predictive text. Instead of saying, what do you want from life, her mum had meant to say, what do you want from little? Part of the reason that's funny is that, of course, most of us would find it much easier to say what we want from little, from the supermarket, than what we want from uh, life. We live in one of the most privileged and wealthy parts of the country. We live at one of the most materialistic times in, in world history. And um, I don't know if you saw the Office for National Statistics just before Easter released a report in which they uh, said that uh, Guildford, where we live, is uh, uh, the most desirable place uh, to live. And uh, this was uh, uh, sent to me, a link to this was sent to me by Dan Jones. And I read it with interest and I replied to Dan by text. I said, why on earth has God put us here in such a privileged place? And this was Dan's reply. It's unusually profound for a text message. So I thought I'd read, is that right, Dan? I'll read this out. Dan said, God has put us here to redeem the gifts, talents, and resources that are here for the benefit of the nations. God has put us here to bring justice to those who are without in a place of such widening margins. I often think, says Dan, that St. Paul would have set up a church in a place like Guildford. Pretty good text. Good work. And of course, we gather to think about our vision and to take up gifts against the backdrop of the leak of all the papers from Panama, uh, at a time when we are seeing so clearly the great lengths that the rich and powerful will go to to try and 
hide their wealth to really store up treasures on earth for themselves. And into this, Jesus comes in his simple way with a profound challenge for us all. This is Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Jesus says, I want you to hear the force of this, living in a uh, privileged place at a materialistic time. Jesus says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Then in verse 31 of Luke 12, Jesus says, be rich towards God. And then in verse 32, he says, give to the poor. There's no way around that. It's very simple. Give to the poor, Jesus. Then he says, store up treasure in heaven that will never fail. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Spend your time just wanting a better car, and a nicer house, and a pay rise at work. There's nothing wrong with those things. God wants to bless us materially as well as in other ways. But if those are our priorities in life, that's where our heart is. But if our priorities are with eternity, are with the kingdom of God and the purpose of God, then we will be generous towards God and we will be generous towards the poor because we're, our lives are not just about what we can get from little. Our lives are about the difference that we can make for Jesus' glory. And so the great news is today I am going to give you an opportunity to invest in the kingdom of heaven. It's the ultimate tax dodge, everybody. Uh, just give to the poor. And you won't have to pay tax on it, okay? Uh, so um, let's pray together, shall we? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have blessed each one of us. Some of us have more, some of us have less, but all of us are privileged materially. And we live in a beautiful and a wonderful part of the country. We thank you for your blessings. But Lord, we ask that you'd help us to be rich towards you. We ask that you'd help us to be generous towards the poor. We ask you'd help us to store up treasures, not on earth, but in heaven. Amen. Well, this is a, an exciting time uh, in the life of this community as we've been taking stock. We've even just looking at recent weeks. Uh, a month ago, uh, loads of our young people prayed all night in the 24-7 prayer room. It was lovely uh, turning up to drop one of our kids off at the prayer room, 9 o'clock at night or something, and Scott Bauer was uh, there dropping off Mimi and Evan, and we gave each other a kind of knowing nod and a wink because over the last 15 years of 24-7 prayer, we've done our fair share of night slots in the prayer room. We'll continue to do that. We love to do that, but it's exciting to see a new generation rising up with passion to seek God. Uh, three weeks ago at the evening service, uh, there were two just sort of miraculous healings. One of them was hilarious. The guy was so grumpy about it. He sort of said, oh, I, well, I suppose I can't really deny it. I've been healed, so I, you know, uh, nothing I can do about it, really. I've been healed, so I thought I should tell you all, you know. And uh, the Holy Spirit just started to move throughout the service, and our visiting speaker uh, didn't even get to preach. We'd help pay for his flight here from America, and he didn't even get to speak because the Holy Spirit had other uh, plans. And... Um, 
you know, Anna has just shared that amazing story. Just The kingdom of God is constantly on the move. We don't have to cook these things up or, or say this happened three months ago, six months ago. Uh, last week, 30 years without being able to smell or taste God's broken in and she's now tasting and smelling. Why? Because God wants you to have life to the full and to bless us uh, with uh, all good things. And of course, the greatest miracle of all is when people come to know Jesus. And uh, so uh, I wanted to uh, just quickly interview Holly. Where are you, Holly? Right in front of me. This is, many of you know Holly. This is Holly Darby. And uh, Holly, now you didn't sort of um, grow, grow up going to church or any of that. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you did or didn't know about God as you grew up. Um, yeah, so my family uh, aren't, don't, not really into um, church and stuff like that. So obviously grew up just knowing what church was, but not really, had not, didn't really have an understanding on what God was, Jesus. I knew that there was kind of like a, a higher power, but I didn't really think much of it, to be honest. Okay, so probably like the majority of people in this country yeah. believe in God. No, it can't all just be a fluke, but don't, haven't really thought about it that much. And then um, you decided to try out Alpha. Tell us a little bit about why you decided to do that. So um, Robbie, my fiancé, when I met him um, about five years ago, we, um, his parents are Christians, so we got on the topic of that, and I found out that actually there's so much more to it than just the basics, um, there's a God up there and stuff like that. So uh, they used to have big old family debates, and, and I used to love, love that having, this, having these debates about the existence of God and, you know, stuff like that. So... Um, yeah, so we used to have long, long debates about it. And then, yeah, so his family were like, well, if you really want to know more, go to Alpha. And I thought, it's a free meal. Um, so, yeah, we, we were like, yeah, why not try it out? So you, you rocked up at Alpha in, in, in Allen House. And how, how did you feel about that? Um, so we were really nervous on the way there. Um, we got there really late um, and just made a big old entrance. And it was like, oh, so late, like that. So um, but it was quite nice because we've been told that most... Like people, most people there aren't Christians, and it's for non-Christians. So, I was so that was quite nice. But we were nervous getting there, but um, really enjoyed it. Why did you enjoy it? Um, so I love the fact that it was a place where you could just op ask open questions. Like we could just because so many times people are like you know dinner parties don't talk about religion, don't talk about politics, but this place was like openly like we're going to talk about religion like all night. So um, it was quite nice that it was. I could just be like, um, I don't get this and I don't get that. It was, I, it, I, was, I spoke so much. I, Did you? I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I took over. I took over. Um, amazing. And, and uh, everyone sort of fell in love with you guys and you really decided to give it a go. Tell us why. So, um, as I said before, we, we used to walk up to Alpha because we used to get the train and we used to walk from the bottom of the high street all the way up. And we'd argue all the way there, like, we don't belong there. It's not like our, not for us. And, and we used to out, out, get really, really angry, argue over silly things. And then when we were there, it, all of those things just disappeared. And on the way home, we were just, like, amazed with what God was, what he'd done in people's lives, that actually he, he could well be real. And he, it just the whole thing made us just feel really excited and we just wanted to get back every Tuesday. Brilliant. And so you and Robbie have decided to follow Jesus. Yeah. You're getting baptized, I think, in our next baptism sessions in July. Anyone else who wants to, feel free, take the yeah. plunge. 
And, uh, and what difference has Jesus made in, in your life, Holly? Um, he's completely transformed our life from, from what we knew. Um, we, we thought we knew everything. We thought we had everything figured out. Um, to, for our, yeah, everything's just been flipped upside down. As in our relationship has just come on leaps and bounds. We're getting married in August, which is really exciting. And um, yeah, I just think it's just, just joy, overwhelming joy he has brought into our life that is just brilliant isn't it thank you so much holly i love that joy of knowing jesus when i hear stories like that i just think more lord uh, Jesus is alive. He's with us. We're not doing this thing Sunday to Sunday, just going through some kind of uh, sort of tedious religious routine. We are uh, here because we've encountered the living Jesus. He's in our midst. Uh, he's moving forward. And that's why we're quite intentional. That's why we do go to him and say, what do you want us to do next? We'll do it. We'll, uh, we'll cost it up. We'll form a plan. And then we'll just we'll go for it. That's what we do every, every year uh, on Vision Sunday. We pray. We say, God, what are you saying to us for the next year and he always speaks and then we come up with a plan about how we're going to do whatever he's told us to do and then we work out how much the plan is going to cost people like Chris Leach who's chairman of our board help us work out how much it's going to cost and then we come to you with knocking knees and say it'll cost this much and uh, if you go yeah fair enough that's the sort of thing that we want our lives to be about not just little but about this stuff then uh, we all give we give our time we give our prayers we give our money and we realize church isn't just this consumer experience to come along to for the religiously inclined but it is about a community coming together to share our resources to make a difference in the world for the glory uh, of jesus and so this is not just theory we really really do this 2012 uh so i've had so taken on uh, the leadership of, of, the, of the community here. We prayed, uh, it was the first time we did this, and God spoke to us and said, I want you to invest into young people. And so uh, it was probably a, a sort of mercy thing because at the time I was doing quite a lot of the youth work. I think there's a photo somewhere of three kids with tea towels on their heads standing on our kitchen table enacting a, uh, a parable. And the Lord just said, I can't put up with this anymore. And, 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 and he said, invest into discipling young people. So we came up with a plan. We realized we needed to hire in expertise. There might be some lacks in my own particular abilities. And uh, uh, you guys coughed up and we were able to take on Matt Davis and Mike and they built a, a team. And we now have more than 200 young people that we deal with on a regular basis and a team of 56 people volunteering, making a profound difference in young people's lives. I'm so glad God spoke. I'm so glad we were able to respond and we're changing lives. 2013, went back to the drawing board. Lord, what do, you, what do you have for us in the next year? And he said something that surprised us, actually. He said, actually, I want you to give yourselves to me in worship in a new way in the coming year. So we said, okay, let's come up with a plan. The first thing that became immediately uh, obvious was that the pub in which we were meeting was not a conducive environment for abandoning ourselves in worship. Lovely for lots of other reasons, but uh, frankly, um, you know, the bar was open in the corner most of the time, serving people coming in and out. If the volume on the PA ever went above a certain level... Uh, it just cut out, uh, which is awkward. And um, we had a video projector screwed to the ceiling, but uh, for over a year, whenever the lyrics were up, there was also a lyric that said something like, urgently change the filter. Uh, and some people built it into their uh, regular worship routine, I'm quite sure. 
and, and we began to realize, well, I think we need to go somewhere else. And the electric theater became available, but obviously it's, it's not cheap to rent this place. And, and then we also realized, um, you know, we, we need some help with coordinating and developing worship. Back then, basically pretty, anyone, pretty much anyone who had ever sort of learned the trombone got to have a go at leading worship. And um, it was a blessing for them, but not always for everyone else. And... Um, and, and Pete Burton was just graduating from the Academy of Contemporary Music as like the top guitarist that ever had sort of thing and the nicest human being ever. And uh, he was growing in his own relationship with God. He just got baptized. So we said, Pete, do you fancy helping us with this? And he said, to be sure, uh, or whatever Irish people say. Uh, to say, Was that bad? He said yes. And, um, and, and uh, you know, it's amazing. We now have 61 people who volunteer. Uh, regularly, week in, week out, to help us, musicians and sound uh, engineers and AV people and whatever, to, to, to help us push in worship uh, and this wonderful venue in St. Mary's. Uh, 2014, we prayed, said, Lord, what have you got for us in the coming year? What do you want us to focus on? And he spoke to us through a couple of different people, uh, giving us the verse Isaiah 54, verse 2, which is about extending your tent pegs expanding and extending and so we we made a plan how are we going to extend and expand and we realized um okay we'll start a second service so we did and that's now full and we'll start some new collectives and uh, those filled up really quickly and we'll totally overhaul our web uh, page because that's part of us extending and filling up the you know the the, the, the sort of shop window so that people know how to access us because when you invite your friends to church the first thing they do is pop into the pub loo and google uh, who we are and, uh, and uh, we extended. And then last year, we prayed, and the Lord spoke to us and said, uh, some of you will remember, he, he spoke to us through Mike Andrea's prophetic word, saying, you need to strengthen your nets because there is a harvest coming that you, you're not really ready for. It's going to break the nets. Your structures aren't really strong enough for it. Get ready. And so we thought, well, what do we do? We made a plan. And, and the plan uh, involved, first of all, strengthening our leadership. And so we were able to bring Bill and Nikki Kuzak in, and uh, they just have changed everything for us. And uh, frankly, I don't know how we'd have got through the last year without Bill and Nikki and what they bring to our leadership team. We invested into our leadership training program. 30 people have gone through uh, that. And, and many of you have been mentoring and helping uh, with that. Uh, we, we, we launched a thing called the Pastoral Exec, which um, is, is just so we've got a team who are really focusing on the pastoral needs because we you know, all hit stuff, don't we, in our lives. And it's such an amazing team. Bill heads it up. Uh, Liz Slynn. Uh, is on it, and she's uh, you know, a fully trained social worker. Julia Thomas is on that. She's a doctor, a medical uh, doctor uh, background. And then uh, Mick and Lynette Brooks are on it. They'll, they head up CWR, which, tra which trains more Christian counselors than anyone else in the country. What an amazing team. So we're investing, we're strengthening the nets. Uh, and uh, we, we started a third service in the last year. We um, uh, started... Well, we ran three alpha courses. Uh, we took out the lease on the founder's studio in the last year. It just became available. And I'm so glad we did because um, Christmas Day, we were in there. It was packed out. And I thought, oh, help. I don't know where we'd even be meeting now uh, if we didn't have uh, this. And so uh, I, I think we've strengthened the nets. And now we're here, Lord. The nets are strengthened. Now what? What are you going to fill the nets with? And I think the, the, the thing that we sense for the coming year, 
that I'm going to invite you to give towards is uh, prioritizing prayer and the poor. Prayer and the poor. First of all, let's just think about this. Prayer, as many of you know, is our sort of DNA. We really started as a prayer group uh, with with 24-7. And then people began to get saved, community formed, and uh, uh, now here we are. And we're right at the heart of 24-7 around the world. And we we really want to grow prayer. A lot of people think we pray continually, but frankly, that was just totally impractical when we were tiny because you know we all had lives to lead and jobs to to do and 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 uh, you know we've never felt any great pressure to have to pray around the clock but as we're growing and as bill has come in having been running continual prayer at htb um we we really sense that's something we want to build towards to really establishing a house of prayer for the nations here in Guildford that can serve this region and around the world and so Bill's come up with a two to three year strategy for how we're going to do that most of the financial costs won't be this year but it'll be next year but we're really working on that God's stirring something in terms of prayer in 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 the nation Uh, many of you will know that uh, well, some, many of you were there in Vienna when we had the 15th birthday party of 24-7 uh, last October. And uh, we had this incredible night in the cathedral. People praying and worshipping, packed out, young people. And I, I came away from that saying, Lord, what is this? You know, what are you, what are you doing? Is there something else around cathedrals? And within a few days, uh, someone at Lambeth Palace approached me and said, the Archbishop of Canterbury and the Archbishop of York have come up with this idea. We want to like fill cathedrals at Pentecost with people praying and worshipping. Would you help? And I just knew it was a God thing. So normally I'm very good these days. I go back to the team and say, what do you think? But on this occasion, I just said, yes, we're in. And then I thought, I really hope the team is with me. And fortunately they were. And uh, don't tell them, please. And... Um, uh, and it's, that's going mental. The two archbishops have written to 11,300 church leaders saying you need to do prayer and 24-7 and whatever in the week before Pentecost. That's next month in May. And uh, uh, that's pretty mad. And then um, all the cathedrals are just filling up really fast. I hope you're going to come to one of them. Your nearest is St. Paul's. Uh, but, you know, um, uh, uh, Winchester Cathedral is sold out. They're free tickets, you understand, but there are no more tickets, and we're going to have to put screens outside. Uh, Canterbury Cathedral, sold out. Can't fit any more people in. Sorry, uh, that's your lot. Uh, Coventry Cathedral, still some uh, tickets for that. Durham Cathedral, uh, some tickets for that. York uh, and St. Paul's, I think we shift about 1,000 or something, but it's a big venue. So come along to St. Paul's. That's, 15th of, uh, that's 14th of May, St. Paul's. All the others are on the 15th on Pentecost Sunday. And Tim Hughes will be leading worship. Bishop of London will be doing his Shakespearean thing. I'll be there doing my less Shakespearean thing. So um, do, do come along. Something stirring in terms of prayer in the nation. And I think we are part of that, right at the heart of it, perhaps, even. And, um, you know, locally, uh, Mike Stockwood has had a, a, a prophetic word from the Lord. God gave it to him in February. Uh, he, he was studying the book of Nehemiah. He could see people working to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and others praying for them. And he really sensed very strongly that we're all called either to be involved with the work of building the walls of Jerusalem, that's caring for the poor, engaging with the lost, caring for the sick and so on, or to be involved with praying into that. And this is what Mike wrote. 
it was clear to me that there were not enough workers and not enough prayers. God is challenging us to wait upon the Lord, each one of us, and to ask God where he is deploying us. You know, God wants to deploy each one of us somewhere. My understanding, says Mike, was that this is not optional. If a person wants to be part of Emmaus Road, they are to be engaged in the work on the wall. It's challenging. A call to prayer. And so we want to invest into prayer. I think if we don't invest into prayer, if we just invest into the poor, we're just doing sort of glorified social work. Nothing wrong with that, but the professionals will probably do it better than us. But it's the people of God, it's the presence of God, taking the hand of God that sets us apart. We are seeking to rescue people for a reason, that they might walk with God and talk with God and know God. There's a spiritual battle that we can only win, not with policies and economics, but in the heavenly realms. And so there's a call to pray. And then secondly, I believe God is calling us to engage with those who are poor and lost and broken in our communities and further afield. Um, I was reading a report, Dave Slynn put me onto this, uh, about Hidden Surrey by Dr. Helen Bocock. And in it she says that in our area there are tight pockets of deprivation enclosed within housing estates or even within a few streets with high levels of child poverty, low income, poor mental health and other significant problems. But these problems are camouflaged by the relative affluence of the region which drives down the statistics and diverts public funding to areas of the country where the poverty is more widespread and therefore more obvious. In other words, she's saying there is a massive gap between rich and poor in our area. And one of our sort of um, responses to that is, as you know, family outreach. It's headed up by Liz Slint. And it's us trying to engage with those who are struggling with life and are on the margins. And just one of the wonderful things that happened in the last year through family outreach um, is what's happened with Haley. And she's given me permission to share this story as long as I don't point her out uh, because she's now part of this church. But Haley's story is just wonderful. And um, as you hear this, I want you to hear this blend of prayer and the poor. So this is what Haley said. I met some people from Family Outreach. They gave me a school holiday hamper which had food vouchers for Spectrum and lots of treats. They also gave me support and advice and they were always there when I needed someone. A few different people from Family Outreach also offered to pray for me, which I was slightly nervous about. But I'd grown up attending a Catholic school, so it wasn't that strange. Sometimes I would end up crying, and other times I would just feel quite peaceful when they prayed. I wasn't quite sure what I believed, but I asked Liz how I could pray for myself. And she told me I just needed to start chatting to Jesus like talking to a friend on the phone. I had a lot going on in my life. As a family, we were struggling to make ends meet, despite my partner working long hours. My partner then did his back in and couldn't move, let alone work. It was my 30th birthday. We had no money, no food, no gas and electric, and a threat of eviction. I felt very alone. I phoned Liz, and she took me to the housing department 
brought us food as well as gas and electric. And this was a huge help. But I was facing a much scarier situation at home. Now listen to this. And bear in mind, Liz works for us and works as a social worker because she said, I was getting frustrated and just caring for people's profound needs and never being able to tell them about Jesus and pray for them as well. I wanted to be able to do both. And we just said, well, come and work for us. And you can keep doing your social work, but you can also tell them about Jesus and pray when you're doing it on our time. So listen to this next bit. Haley continues. For a while, I had started to feel an evil presence in our house, like a ghost. I coped with it, even though it terrified me. Once my own children started to feel and see things too, I couldn't cope anymore. I told my friend from Family Outreach who prayed for me and my children, which made me feel peaceful. And then the next day, she and her husband Dave came and prayed around my house. It really felt normal, and I left uh, feeling different. From that day, I have not felt scared or seen anything in my house, and I'm now safe. It was like a big weight had been lifted. Dave had prayed that Jesus would bring peace and hope into each room of our house, and then he asked whether I would like Jesus to be in my life, and I said that I would. I've just started going to church, and it's very different to what I grew up with at school. There are no pews or hymns, but a live band, free coffee and croissants, and no one minds if I go outside for a quick cigarette. Please feel free. I've also been along to Alpha, which was brilliant. We still struggle to make ends meet, but Family Outreach continues to be there for us regularly, helping us with food bills and buying us clothes. They even took us away on holiday. I don't like asking for help. It's embarrassing. But since asking Jesus into my life, life feels different. I'm learning that I'm accepted for who I am and not what I do, and I'm looking forward to my life and my family's life changing even more. I want to be in a position where I can start to help others. It's wonderful, isn't it? You hear these stories, you just think, more, Lord. We want to do that for more people for your glory. We want to help more Haley's. We hear Holly's story and Robbie's story. We want to see more people encountering Jesus and finding the purpose of their lives. This is the power of social engagement married with prayer. And God is speaking to us about uh, doing more of this stuff. And actually, he's speaking to us about it with quite a lot of urgency. Uh, You see, over the last few weeks, two people have received a very, very similar dream. Uh, And it's all to do with boats, which is why there's a slightly nautical theme you might have noticed today. And interestingly, the two people are Liz, who's in charge of our work with the poor, and and Bill, who's in charge uh, of our work with prayer. And uh, maybe uh, there's something in that. But first of all, Liz had this dream in which she saw this great big flashy boat, like a gin palace, being pulled around Guildford, the streets of Guildford, on a trailer. Then, Bill had a dream, also about a boat, on a trailer. And Bill uh, says this, it was on a beach, there were lots of people swimming and having fun, but a bit further out there were a group of people struggling. There were lifeguards on the beach, and one of them started to run and tried to rescue the people who were drowning. It quickly became apparent that this was too big a rescue for them to be attempting by themselves. There was a central rescue center, and the lifeguard was frantically waving to try and get attention. Someone at the central rescue station eventually saw the lifeguard struggling and signaled for a boat to facilitate the rescue. 
People were looking at the boat, which wasn't in the sea, but was proudly sat on a trailer outside the rescue center. Other lifeguards then began to drive it to the shoreline, but they took their time showing off their new boat to people as they drove it to the sea. And by the time they reached the water, it was too late. People had drowned. When I woke up, says Bill, I asked the Lord what the dream was about, and he said, it's about understanding the significance of where I have placed you, what I have trusted you with, and the strategic deployment of the resources that I have given you. This is a challenging, even a disturbing word, not from one person, but two. God's challenging us that we've got this flashy boat, but it's not designed to be on a trailer being admired. It's designed to be out in the ocean rescuing those who are drowning. There is an urgency about this call for us as a church to launch out because people are crying out and drowning all around us. We're not here to enjoy the beach the leafy Surrey with a little bit of religion on the side. We are here to rescue those who are going down. We're not just here to build a better church. We are here to build a better world. If we just compare ourselves to other churches, we'll be like those pulling uh, a boat around on a trailer. It's not about that. It is about us getting to those who are struggling. People like Holly asking profound questions. People like Haley struggling to pay her bills and facing uh, eviction from her house. We are here to rescue those who are drowning. That's what we want to do with our prayers. That's what we want to do with our resources. And notice the lifeguard can't do it on his own. It's all hands on deck. It's urgent, but everyone needs to be involved. And we may need a big boat. We may need a flashy boat because there's a lot of people to rescue. But it is not there to be admired. It's there to be launched. Uh, These dreams reminded me of a very famous picture that was published uh, in a book by William Booth in 1890. The book uh, became a bestseller, and it was called In Darkest England and the Way Out. And uh, this picture is extraordinarily just called Salvation. This is a picture of what William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, thought salvation looked like. And I don't know how much you can see, but at the bottom we have endless people drowning, and there's words all around them about the things that they are drowning in. And then you see people here in boats and on the rocks trying to pull people out of the water and rescue them from their circumstances. But it's not just about rescue them from rescuing them from drowning but you see the different stages of how they're going to be rescued and what salvation is going to look like homes for the homeless rehab centers for addicts farm communities where the urban poor can be trained in agriculture homes for what they called fallen women uh, and released prisoners Uh, Schemes for poor men's lawyers, banks, clinics, schools, and even William Booth anticipated a seaside resort as part of his plan of salvation. And he was part of a whole phalanx, an army of people who had wealth and had power and had resources at that time, at the end of the 19th century, who ganged up to put this into place. Uh, Roundtree and Cadbury and Guinness, famous household names, all believers, and they decided they weren't going to store up their resources in Panama or on earth, but they were going to invest into heaven. And so they started to use their resources. Shaftesbury, 
Lord Shaftesbury uh, as well, William Wilberforce, uh, Henry Thornton, a banker who in one year alone gave away 82% of his, uh, his annual income to the poor because they were determined to try and rescue those who were drowning and bring them into the fullness of salvation in Jesus. Not just that they would believe in Jesus, but that their whole lives would be transformed. Their relationships would be transformed. Their habits would be broken. They'd be set free. They'd find the purpose of their lives. There's a call on us to launch the boat, rescue those who are drowning. And so um, here's the choice that we've got as we prepare to respond. We... We'll never feel like we've got enough, right? And we're a growing church, fast-growing church. And as our income grows, we can spend our resources inwardly on just more and more staff, better and better kit, flashier and flashier publicity. Or we can spend our resources on those who are drowning. We can launch the boat we can grow family outreach to help more people like Haley, to give out more hampers to those who are struggling, take more people away on holiday who've never had a holiday in their lives. We can spend our resources on planting churches, not just growing this one bigger and bigger, but starting to give away into areas where people need a living expression of the family of God, to running Alpha to help meet more people like Holly and Robbie. We can invest into new mission partnerships, whether it's Matrix Trust working locally in schools or the Cambodian Hope Organization who we heard from a few weeks ago. We want to support people who are making a difference amongst the poor. We can invest our money, too, into the building fund. Some of you have been asking about that. Uh, we're still waiting on the council decision around this venue. Do you know what? Whether or not we get the electric theater, we know that Jesus is preparing a place for us, a home. And the vision for that home isn't just to have a squeaky clean worship auditorium locked up most of the week, but to have a place with messy carpets where we can train and we can uh, start businesses and we can disciple and we can counsel and we can pray night and day. And so wherever that is, we know God's got somewhere uh, for us. And uh, some of you may, in your giving in a moment, want to say this is towards the building fund because you know if you're going to buy a house you've got to save up a big deposit and that's what that's the stage we're at as a community whether it goes into this place or somewhere else we've costed this plan up for the prayer and the poor uh, and uh, we this coming year need to grow our income by 12.8 percent which is uh, 62,000 pounds of new uh, income so it's very simple. We've prayed. We feel like God's speaking to us about really investing ourselves into prayer and the poor. And he's particularly spoken to us about the urgency of rescuing those who are drowning. Mike's word reminds us that we rescue people in very practical ways, but also through prayer, fighting the spiritual battle as well. And so um, we want to respond to that. We've costed it up, 62 grand. That's the price tag. Maybe you think that's an awful lot of money. Maybe you don't think it's very much. Uh, but uh, we've all got a part to play. It doesn't matter how much you give. What we're really looking for is everyone getting off the beach, launching the boat, getting out, and getting involved. Do whatever you can to rescue those who are drowning. We can all pray. 
Some of us have a particular call to prayer. It's exciting to see as well the people God's raising up and bringing into the area with a particular call for intercession. We love that. We need that more and more, especially as we build towards 365 prayer. But uh, we're all able to pray, and we all need to do that. Sign up for time in the prayer room. You will absolutely regret it half an hour before your slot. You'll, you'll be grumbling, saying, that Pete Gregg guy, honestly. But, but, but that's the whole point. It helps you to live up to your aspirations in prayer. Get in there, and you'll have an amazing time with God. And we can all give time. Some, we're time poor. Some, we have plenty of time. But uh, we, we, need a, we need more volunteers. We're going to have to start a full service at some stage. We're going to need more people to volunteer with youth work. Parents, you know, honestly, if your kids are benefiting from the youth work, the children's work, please give some time to contribute and to help with that. Otherwise, we're just going to have to keep hiring youth workers. And we'll end up investing more and more money inwards instead of outwards on the poor and the broken. Let's uh, give our time. Musicians, people who uh, do lyrics, uh, pack hampers, all sorts of things, volunteering. And then thirdly and finally, as well as giving prayer and giving time, we can all give money. Some of us, it's very, very little. Some of us, we can give more. God has blessed us that we can store up treasures in heaven. If you don't give regularly through a standing order and you're able to do that, that's an incredible blessing because it means we can budget and plan for the year. Uh, if you do give by standing order, you might want to think about increasing that in the coming year. Sammy and I, every year, we sit down at this time and we pray and we say, how much can we put it up by this year? And by the grace of God, I think every year of our marriage, we've been able to put it up sometimes only a tiny bit. Don't be too impressed. And some, some years it's a little bit more. But we try and do that every year. And uh, it may be that you're in a position to give one off. Maybe you want to give uh, into the building fund or just to this cause. You're saying, I want to give to the poor. Jesus has said, give to the poor. I want to do it. Here's how you can do it. You can respond today. And so um, you should all have been handed a little form on your way in. Uh, we're going to just take a moment to, to think about this and to fill that in. Uh, uh, and uh, to bring our offerings. And our offerings are of time and of prayer and of money. And uh, the kids are going to come back in. You can see from the first service, they've already had uh, quite a go at things. They're going to lead our giving. They've been drawing pictures of the things that they want to give. It might be your car keys. You just don't know. Uh, and, uh, uh, um, but they're going to lead our giving. And uh, I'd love you. You might want to have a little bit of time just to pray or to... Uh, if you're married or talk to your partner now and, and just say, well, what, what do we sense the Lord saying? How much should we give? But I want to be absolutely clear. I believe Jesus is saying to us, store up treasures in heaven. Be generous to the poor. Be rich towards God. And I'm giving you an opportunity to respond to that today. And uh, we're trying to do it effectively and efficiently uh, as, as an organization. And uh, whatever you can give financially, but also prayer and time make an enormous difference. So I think the band's just going to come and play Money, Money, Money by ABBA or something like that. Um, we used to have a special song for collections when I was at Sunday school uh, called uh, Hear the Pennies Dropping. Anyone remember that one? Uh, but I won't sing that to you now. Bill, over to you. <laughs> 